Holy Father in heaven, we thank you for your love which you have bestowed upon us in giving us the grace to be among the living today. We thank you for all the good things you've been doing for us in giving us food and shelter, clothing, security, guidance and protection in our going out and coming in, healing us of our sicknesses and diseases. We thank you for all these things and the spiritual blessings you give to us in your word and transformation of our character. We are grateful, O Lord, and we say, Praise be unto you. Now, Father, as we go through the words of our devotion, we pray that these words shall be blessings to all who would listen. Put your words in our mouth that we may speak words of edification that will lift everyone up to heavenly places that our characters might be transformed into that of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Our High Calling, August 19 A System of Truest Politeness And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 we must learn to place the best possible construction upon doubtful conduct of others. If we are ever suspecting evil, we are in danger of creating what we allow ourselves to suspect. We cannot pass along without sometimes having our feelings hurt and our temper tried. But as Christians, we must be just as patient, forbearing, humble and meek as we desire others to be. Oh, how many thousand good acts and deeds of kindness that we receive pass from the mind like dew before the sun, while imaginary or real injury leaves an impression which it is next to impossible to efface the very best example to give to others is to be right ourselves and then leave ourselves our reputation with God and not show too great anxiety to right every wrong impression and present our case in a favorable light. The neglect to cultivate tender consideration and forbearance for one another has caused dissension, distrust, fault-finding, and general disunion. God calls upon us to put away this great sin and to strive to answer the prayer of Christ that his disciples may be one as he is one with the Father. It is the special work of Satan to cause dissension that the world should be deprived of the most powerful testimony Christians can give it, that God has sent his Son to bring into harmony turbulent, proud, envious, jealous, begotten minds. The truth of God is not designed merely to deal with errors and vices. The truth is designed to sanctify the receiver 
to fashion and mold the entire man, externally as well as internally, by abasing pride and disposing his heart to be kind and amiable and condescending. Yes, the religion of Christ is a system of the truest politeness and its triumphs are complete when a world may look on a people professing godliness with a united front, believers showing habitual tenderness of feeling and kindness of deportment and sincere regard for the reputation of each other. Amen. The title of our devotion is A System of Truest Politeness. Our key text is taken from Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 which says, And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. This passage summarizes what it means to be truly polite. True politeness is not just mere etiquette. It is not just a mere conduct like those customer service people do, where you speak in a so-called kind way, but in your mind and in your heart, you are not actually being kind. You know, when you go to offices and you meet people who are, we hear are customer care agents. Many times they just speak in a so-called polite way but they don't really care about you. They speak in a way just to even dismiss you in a very so-called kind way. But the real care is not there. So what is the system of truest politeness? What is this politeness supposed to do for us? The first line of this devotion explains, we must learn to place the best possible construction upon doubtful conduct of others. Suspicion is not polite. And like we see here, the danger in suspicion is that if we are ever suspecting evil, that is constantly suspecting evil of people. The danger is that that thing you are suspecting in someone, you will create it and that thing will finally come out in the person. We are in danger of creating what we allow ourselves to suspect. You can be in relation with people and you start to have suspicions in your mind, maybe your spouse or your child or your friend, you are suspecting that this is what they have in mind because of one word that was dropped here or one act that was done there which may, ha- may just have been a careless word that may not mean much or just a ca- an act that in your mind means one thing but in the mind of the person who performed it it doesn't mean what you think it means because we come from different backgrounds we all see things differently we don't all have the same education we don't all have the same disposition and the hereditary tendencies there is always that high possibility that what you think you saw is not actually how it is in the other person's mind. You may say, oh, this act means this and you start to suspect this. But the person who performed the act may not see it that way. He may see it 
completely differently it doesn't mean what you think it means for example in the show of respect one thing one person may do something that in their mind they don't they didn't grow up seeing it as disrespectful while another may see it that way and then it can create dissension and that's why we are told if we are ever suspecting and the danger is this when you open your suspicions to others and you tell them you you tell the person oh this is what you did this is not being polite especially when the person does not see that way guess what happens there's a kind of carefulness around you and the person may start to also suspect you or start to behave in a certain way around you that is not real because they are afraid of you or they think that in order to be in good terms with you they have to do this or do that whereas it's not really coming from the heart and even they themselves become very cold and careful because they feel that this person is very picky is very always suspecting evil so they are not free anymore so when they we are suspecting something now just look at this, this scenario you suspected this person of something and then the person knows oh you are suspecting this thing and then the person is surprised oh this is what this person is suspecting the person now becomes careful around you and it is that carefulness that will now confirm oh what i was suspecting is really true but it was not true actually it is because of your suspicion that that it has created in the person you were suspecting what you thought was there but it was not actually there but because of the constant suspicion the other person becomes careful and that carefulness now reveals what you thought you were seeing but that thing was not there we are indeed in constant danger of suspecting evil and if we keep suspecting evil that thing you are suspecting will finally come out in the person you are suspecting because of the carefulness and the coldness and perhaps the uh, fear that they have of you out of fear they become so careful and they are not sure again of what they can do and what they will not do that will be misinterpreted and because they are not sure of how one may misinterpret their words or actions anymore they become a bit cold and then it is now confirmed you see it what i was suspecting is true about this person that he is this or he's that can't you see he's not relating well with me anymore but it's because of what you brought out it's because of what you accused the person of it's because of the false accusation that came up that the person is now behaving that way and that's why we must be careful not to ever be suspecting and voicing out these suspicions we have to deal with our suspicions in our own mind especially when like we see they are not real uh, wrongs but like we are told here many of us are just always thinking about real wrongs or supposed wrongs people did to us sometimes when people may offend you you think they offended you but may, they didn't and sometimes they actually did but like we have been saying we can't go through life without people offending us we cannot pass along without sometimes having our feelings hurt and our temper tried but is that what you must dwell upon what this person said that hurt you how about the good things the person said to, about you and to you it is you who chooses to dwell on the evil do not allow the evil acts the defects and the the problems in people's lives the weaknesses of people to be what you focus your mind on focus on the good 
your feelings will be tried your temper will be tried and we have been seeing how to deal with anger and also how to be courteous you see if your temper is tried and your feelings are tried by someone why not think of the good things that that person has done for you always have a memory of good things people have done as christians we must be just as patient forbearing humble and meek as we desire others to be and this is what true politeness is about it is having real consideration for people it is being less suspicious it is being forbearing and patient with people so that it comes out in an outflow of love and kindness that even when you see real wrongs that people did to you real wrongs not not imaginary now real ones somebody said something to you that was wrong or did something to you that was wrong it is polite to forgive it is polite not to focus on that evil of the person and keep bringing it up and telling other people about it politeness will stop you from gossiping Politeness will stop you from tattling and from whispering and from tail-bearing. True politeness will make you considerate of others, knowing that there are many reasons why someone may have done what they did or said what they said that you may not know. And to be truly polite means that we we are meek and humble and forbearing and patient with others and duly consider, give them some consideration focus on the good acts of others and also not to be so careful to uh, protect reputation like we are told that the best example we can give to others just do the right thing leave your reputation with god don't be so careful to always want to uh, show yourself to be right and clear the air you understand sometimes we need to do that but all we need to do first of all is right when we do right we will not need to clear the air and all of that people mis- misinterpret you can't stop people from misinterpreting when you look at the media for example oh they are so good at magnifying wrongs just because of their political inclinations or something you see oh this one already has this political inclination just one word that someone says can be misinterpreted misconstrued dwelt upon made to look like a mountain but it was just a molehill and just because they want to bring them down bring the people down they magnify the evils and they want to bring the person down so you see we are not to do that that is not being polite that's not being polite that's not being considerate that's not loving that's not forbearing our key text says be kind one to another tender-hearted forgiving one another even as god for christ's sake has forgiven you if it were you who made a statement like that careless statement or even real statement would you like people to misconstrue your statements? Would you like them to suspect you and turn it here and there just to make you look evil? Then why will you do it to someone else? Love as brethren. Do unto others what you would have them do unto you. You who are suspecting people's acts and their words. How about your own words and acts? Think about how people can misconstrue it. How you can be also misunderstood. When you remember that, be careful not to misunderstand others. It is polite to think well of all men until compelled to think otherwise. Place the best possible construction on the words and acts of others that you do not understand. I have been in situations where I hear certain things, someone said this or that, but because I know this person and I can't believe that the person would actually say that, I will not believe it. And I say to myself, it's not possible that this person will say this i just can't believe it's not true and i really know that it's not true maybe this is the reason why they said this maybe you didn't get the person well maybe it's just a slip of the tongue why because of trust and love 
and sometimes you listen and you confirm that oh the person may have actually said those things and didn't really understand why they said so and you just forget about it it's not something to dwell upon you may say ah did you really say this thing and when you confirm that oh it's really true the person did say so and oh you place the best possible construction but you've now found out that even after placing the best possible construction it was actually true that the person did or said something that was wrong then what do you do now you forgive you forget about it you understand that the person may have misunderstood there are many reasons why the person may have said that and everybody has their right to say what they want to say sometimes we may be so shocked and wonder how can you say this how can you do that but true politeness will forgive will be tender-hearted will be kind and forbearing understanding that everyone has their right to see things the way they the way they do we must not shape up everybody into our own views. We must not shape, shape up everybody into our own mindset. People are independent and they should be allowed to ex- exhibit their own independence. You can reason with people, but not to be surprised or so offended that they said something contrary to what you believe or see things differently from the way you see it. And like I said before, many times too, I've seen situations where it is actually confirmed that what someone thought that you know another person meant is not actually what they meant a word may be dropped here or there that may th- you may think meant this or that but later on on investigation you find out that your mind was just doing over time it, your mind has gone very far it has gone deep and thought oh this is what has happened this is what this person is saying and this is what they meant but actually that's not what they meant the f- best possible thing we can do in every situation place the best possible construction on the acts doubtful conducts things that you look at and you're wondering what is this you're not very sure place the best possible construction on the doubtful conduct of others it is very very important i pray that the lord will give us this system of truest politeness that we may become one with him because that is exactly what christ is like and there's something here called a great sin that many of us do not see our high calling page 237 paragraph 3 this is the neglect to cultivate tender consideration and forbearance for one another has caused dissension distrust fault finding and general disunion god calls upon us to put away this great sin and to strive to answer the prayer of christ that his disciples may be one as he is one with the father so end of quote what is this great sin neglect to cultivate tender consideration and forbearance that is it neglect and then also bringing these suspicions and you know we've talked about it in the devotion before trying to tinker up others make them to become like you and shape up like this and suspecting this and suspecting that because of the way you view things not understanding that we all see things in different ways we have independent minds and we must understand that carefully and when you voice out these suspicions it causes dissension distrust fault finding it shows that there is a general disunion why because you 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 voiced out something that shows that you were you were not trusting your brother if you have trust for your brother there will be no need for you to ask him i hope this thing i saw you do that time what did you even mean and this and that because why you trust him that there is no way he meant harm when he said this or when he did that trust when when you voice out suspicions the other person who is listening to the suspicion will now start to wonder wow so is it that you don't trust me 
how can you think that I, I can say this or do this or mean this even when you heard I said that? Your brother, you know he's your brother and he feels you trust him. So when you bring out these suspicions, it shows that you don't trust the person and the person gets to understand the message that, oh, this person doesn't actually trust me and that's why he's asking me these questions or voicing out these suspicions because if you trusted me, you wouldn't even come to ask me this question or voice out this suspicion and suspect me of this because it's a doubtful conduct, it's not sure because suspicion comes when you are not sure of something. You cannot say you are sure because it's just a suspicion. Be careful how you voice out your suspicions because those suspicions can create disunion. It can create distrust among brethren and dissension. And like we read, this is the great sin that we should strive to remove among us because it causes this union. And then the problem with this is that the suspicion now goes back and forth. It has a ripple effect. Uh, just the disclaimer, it doesn't mean that to ask people questions or to make people clarify their points or things you saw or heard that you didn't really understand is wrong. The issue here is the motive behind the asking. Some already suspect evil and then they go to ask the questions and uh, clarify this and just to say something because you were suspecting and then you, of course, can go to gossip too because of suspicion. But it doesn't mean it is wrong to ask your brother to clarify his point or to be clear on something you saw or heard so that you are very clear on the matter that, that that's not what i'm talking about but like i was saying now this suspicion the problem with it is he suspect the brother and then the brother hears that you suspected and then starts to feel like oh is it that you didn't trust me and then the person starts to also suspect the other person of suspicion so every move he's making now he's careful he doesn't he thinks he's being suspected he's always suspecting the brother the first one who suspected the other one is now suspecting him too that he's always suspecting me so this one is suspecting the other one is also suspecting and this causes disunion great disunion as we read and dissension it started from one suspicion and the other one starts to suspect the other suspicion and then the king thing goes back and forth that is why true politeness true politeness will not bring up suspicions let me give an example. Perhaps people are in a relationship planning to get married or they are already married and somebody for one reason or the other, one of them starts to have suspicion of the other one of being unfaithful and it can happen. Perhaps a false prophet comes one day and says, mm, this person is not supposed to be your, wa your wife or your husband. I've seen vision or oh, it's not supposed to be or of your own self. You just start to feel like this person because you saw them do one thing one day or say something and you feel like they are being unfaithful and suspicion comes to your mind because of lack of trust that's where it comes if you trusted the person even if you see a text message or just a statement or said somewhere you know he can't he's not cheating on me or she's not cheating on me anyone but lack of trust brings a suspicion and the suspicion shows lack of trust two of them go the same way now what happens there is constant trouble in the mind of the one who is suspecting and then the person voices out that suspicion to the other one now the other one being innocent is shocked and wonder how can you think that i am unfaithful to you you, you can't say oh he can't she shouldn't think that way or he shouldn't think that way you can't say that because the person is expecting mutual trust and when those suspicions comes up it makes the other one feel insecure 
and that insecurity makes the person start to change their behavior around the one who is suspecting why because they feel i thought i was free around you i thought you didn't suspect me i thought you trusted me and then the person's behavior changes and that change of behavior is now interpreted by the one who was suspecting as a confirmation of what he was initially or what she was initially suspecting you see it that's why the first statements of our devotion says that we are in danger of bringing out the things that we suspect in others when we suspect people that thing you are suspecting you are in danger of bringing it out because the distrust that comes through suspicion makes the other person change behavior and the change of behavior will be interpreted as a confirmation of what was being suspected this is why we must be careful focus on the good things in people's lives and not the things that uh, we suspect it may be real wrongs or imaginary wrongs yes what if the person is really cheating on you what if what you are suspecting is actually right which can be the case many times what is true politeness now it is what we have seen yesterday even when people do wrong you still speak politely to them and you still think well of all men you still forgive you still forbear you still be considerate even when you have found out that this my suspicion is right or it's not even just a suspicion it is a real wrong because a real wrong is not suspected i'm not suspecting you when i'm when i've confirmed something this is a confirmation i saw it is clear True politeness is to forgive, is to be kind, is to be loving and tender-hearted and to be considerate knowing that we are all weak. God is praying that we will be one, united as brethren. Being united doesn't mean we all have the same dispositions and the same way and manners of seeing things and walking. It doesn't mean that. And we are not to, we, are, we are in constant danger of trying to make people to become exactly like us that's not how god wants it to be i'm reading here from the letter 49 1875 paragraph 3 that's from letters and manuscript volume 2 it says that in the government of children many make a mistake and govern too much they give so much counsel so much direction and want to manage so completely that they are liable to destroy the will the identity of their children and they confuse their minds so completely that they give them no opportunity to act out the powers and develop the qualities god has given them as their endowment just so it is with the family of god there is diversity of operation of gifts and all by the same spirit these diverse gifts are illustrated by the human body from the head to the feet that's referring to what paul said the head is not the feet the eye is not the hand and the nose is not the leg each are diverse and have different works from each other so everybody should realize this and not try to make the eye to become the hand so i continue the reading it says as they are different members with their different offices yet all of the same body so the members of christ's body all center in the head but have different gifts this is in the economy of god to meet the varied organization and minds in the world the strength of one servant of god may not be the strength of another there is danger of seeking to make other minds bend so much to our ideas that we destroy their independent natural traits that would give them access to a class that others could not touch while there may be with one minister peculiar traits which are to their minds very objectionable 
they themselves may have some peculiarities just as objectionable and even more positive. Every man must be left free for God to convict and operate upon his heart that he may obtain an experience for himself. Founded in God, great caution should be preserved lest efforts be made to mold minds and to work their judgment and character to our ideas. When God may be moving upon that mind and operating upon it to call forth its powers and develop an individual strength for a special work, man's hand and man's training and discipline may spoil him for the work God would have him accomplish. End of quote. Basically, what this is reminding us of is that we are diverse. And God may be training someone with a special ability for a particular kind of work. And another person may be looking at it like, ah, I don't like this kind of behavior. This is not good. But really, there's nothing wrong with the behavior. It's just that in that person's mind, you feel this is not the way to do things. This is not the way to talk. We should allow people to, within the same principles. We're not saying people should sin against God. Within the principle of God's law, there are diverse ways of conduct. Diverse. It's not one way of conduct. No one man is to be an example for everybody. God has made us diverse for a reason. And when we are diverse, not that we are going to sin against God, diverse within the same principles. While one may be very outgoing, another one may not be as outgoing. One might be uh, studious and presenting in one way, while another presents in another way. And none is to say to the other, oh, the way you are presenting it, this way is not good and or something you must present it the way i present it see your way might work for a certain class of people while this person's way may work for a certain class of people and it must be realized so that you don't kill people's abilities so that where god wants to use them will not be uh, effective anymore because of the way they have been changed so is these things that cause suspicion that cause one to want shape others into their own mold and these suspicions will cause dissension and disunity among brethren so let us be careful not to enter into this lack of politeness that will cause suspicion dissension and bring disunion among brethren fault finding all that true politeness will give due consideration to others knowing that we do not all have the same mold true politeness will forgive when they are done real wrongs and when they are imaginary wrongs will let them go and not dwell upon it true politeness will rather dwell upon the good deeds and good acts they have received from others true politeness will be forbearing will be tender-hearted and will be truly kind towards others doing to others what they want to be done to them and it will be patient with the faults of others may god help us to be like that Amen. Amen. I'll read again from the second paragraph. It says that we must learn to place the best possible construction upon doubtful conduct of others. Now, this reading can take another turn. I mean, I'm looking at it from the life of Joseph. I was just imagining if I was in a shoe and Pontifer's wife did something like that is very doubtful. I will be thinking, what caused this? I'm not sure the reason why she is doing this. 
then he says that we cannot pass along without sometimes having our feelings hurt and our temper tried but as Christians we must be just as patient forbearing humble and meek as we desire others to be now that Joseph is in prison and his fidelity his purity had landed him in prison what do you think if if like you is today we want everybody to know that we did not do it we want to complain to everybody will be bitter will be talking you know you want to vindicate yourself think about your reputation for instance that you'll be in prison and everybody will say oh this one is a, a rapist that's why he la- landed here let me read the account from Genesis chapter 39 verse 7 it says and it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said lie with me she cast her eyes upon Joseph that evil eye maybe you're in your office now maybe you're in in the in the neighborhood or in your compound somebody begins to eye you and this will lead to a spoiling of your reputation a spoiling of your name now in verse 8 it says what he refused and said unto his master's wife behold my master worth it not what is with me in the house and he had committed all that he had to my hand there is none greater in this house than i neither had i neither had he kept back anything from me but thee because thou art his wife how then can i do this great wickedness and sin against god and it came to pass as she speak to joseph day by day you understand that this is a continual it was a continual press pressing after the boy day by day that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her and 11 it says and it came to pass about this time that joseph went into the house to do his business and there was none of the men of the house there within and she caught him by his garment saying lie with me he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out now in 20 he says and joseph master master took him and put him into the prison a place where the king's prisoners were bound and he was there in the prison see her testimony against joseph invested in verse 17 says and she spake unto him according to these words saying the hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me and it came to pass as i lifted up my voice and cried and that he left his garment with me and fled out now this was the dilemma of joseph the unfortunate event had no other witness only himself and pontifus wife nobody could testify for him he had no evidence the only evidence for the case was against him 
Pontifus wife had his garment. The garment showed that he was there, he was present. And her explanation was that he ran away. In the face of this false evidence, what can Joseph do? There was nothing he could do about the situation. He had to live with the circumstances that had now befallen him. And he had to live with that reputation that he is a rapist. And they threw him into the prison. But because of purity of life, the Bible says that, But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him favor and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Hallelujah. It says the very best example to give to others is to be the right ourselves and then leave ourselves our reputation with God not with men and with God now we are not to show too great anxiety to right every wrong every wrong impression and present our case in a favorable light as, as long as we have done what is right we are not to fret ourselves let me read it from psalm 37 verse 5 and 6 and 7 down it says commit thy way unto the lord trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass and he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday rest in the lord and wait patiently for him fret not thyself because of him who prospered in his way because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass you see that Pontifus wife brought her wicked devices to pass and she prospered but the bible says wait wait for the lord to bring judgment to pass commit thy ways unto him fret not thyself cease from anger and forsake wrath fret not thyself in any wise to do evil don't retaliate for evildoers shall be cut off but those that wait upon the lord they shall inherit the earth for yet a little while the wicked shall not be yea thou shalt diligently consider his place and it shall not be but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight thyself in the abundance of peace hallelujah you understand that by the time we got to genesis chapter 45 and 46 the whole world was talking about one man now joseph pontifer's wife had lost her address we don't even know what became of her but joseph was the center or the epicenter of the history of the world because he stood in his little corner and waited patiently for the lord verse 12 it says the wicked plotted against the just and gnashed upon him with his teeth the lord shall laugh at him for he seeth that his day is coming the wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of upright conversation their sword shall enter into their own heart and their bow shall be broken the lord knoweth the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever 
They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. Picture now when the table turned, and then Pontifus' wife will lead bread, and she will have to go to Joseph for bread. If we maintain purity of life, we've done all in our power, we've done all according to the confines of the commandment, we need not worry about the result. Let us leave ourselves and our reputation to God. There are many people who are suffering injustice in this world, false accus accusations, fault findings and lies. How do we respond? Is what the reading is calling our attention today. Sometimes I find, even in my own experience, that when somebody wrongs you very bitterly and you try to relate it to somebody else and then they will take it from you and twist it and instead of seeking to unite both of you they will be the ones now that carry the matter in their own head as if they were the ones wrong and so the disunion is continuing I read again from the third paragraph it says the neglect to cultivate tender consideration and forbearance for one another has caused the dissension distrust fault finding and general disunion it is the special work of satan to cause dissension see sometimes when people wrongfully accuse you and those accusations come to your ear you don't want to look at them in the eyes anymore you don't see eye to eye oh, beloved we've come to the time especially in the house of god when we must learn to walk hand in hand let brother and brother put their hands to the work when it hurts you that's why it's best there are some things you need not hear when you, but when it hurts you have to take it to jesus because you know that satan is trying to alienate you from that brethren and when he gets you at par with one another when he gets you at odds with your brother then he gains an advantage he will jump to another brother. He is jumping from people to people so that he will finally disunite. He will have a disjointed church. Let believers show habitual tenderness of feelings and kindness of deportment and sincere regard for the reputation of each other. I take that again. There are things that people want to bring to your ear. You need to close your ear. You need not hear them if you understand that some of these things will cause you to begin to see people funny or to hate them or to remove them from your, your cancer. Because you see that the press men have entered the church. All they do is talk about things happening to others. And you understand that those who tell you about others will one day tell others about you. The church is sick of fault finders. Of what uses it is to have a machine that will detect the fault and f the mach f you have all fault finders machines that detect fault but not solving the faults we need solutions we need people who will fix faults in the church that is why the church was set up in the first place how to fix this the problem of the world how to fix the problems in our lives we need men who will gather people let's pray about it let us deal with this problem that is what the church needs, not people who will talk about it all day long and not finding any solution to it. 
Going back to the text, it says, And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, had forgiven you. That the truth is designed to sanctify the receiver. Yes, the religion of Christ is a system of the truest politeness, and its triumphs are complete when the world may look on a people professing godliness with a united front. These people that used to be turbulent, proud and envious, they used to be jealous, bigoted, but because they received the truth, the truth is supposed to set them apart, to sanctify them, to change them, to make them born again, and they became satanic in their nature rather than divine. The Lord sent the flood of waters upon the earth. Our high calling 2.52 God is full of love and plenteous in mercy, but he will by no means acquit those who neglect the great salvation he has provided. So we see that all this we have been reading is to sanctify us, to make us divine in nature, to make us one with the Father, one with Christ. Time is running out. Let us show true politeness even today. It is we experience in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, say honor and glory be to thy name. We thank you again today for fresh words of courage, fresh words of direction, fresh words of comfort that you've given us today where we see that it's a challenge but we know that it is one that you want to help us and to overcome help us overcome these are tendencies to look for fellow humans or sympathy but help us to look unto thee and help us to guard well our thoughts guard well our actions and our speeches that we may learn to forbear one another we may learn to live in harmony with our brothers and sisters even in the faith that we may learn to become one as you have promised and prayed that we with you together become one we make this repressed through the mercies of jesus christ our lord amen, amen.